Kyoshin Cast, where we learn that massages are nothing but trouble. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. I'm here. Hey, welcome up, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that I'm was almost a be... sentence. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad to be here. With you. <laughs> well, are you also happy that it's week eight of the fall season and that we're going to be covering all sports anime from November 19th to, uh, to November 25th? Yes. Good. Well, do we have any news or announcements, man? The only the only announcement we have is that we have a question of the week, and it's from me. Hey, awesome. Well, let's hear it, man. Matt, I want to learn more about you. I want to learn more about who you are as a person. Okay. And how you interact with the world. Okay. Um, and uh, to that end, what's your favorite dairy product but you can't say ice cream. That's not fair. Um, yeah. yeah. Probably cheese. Just general cheese. Just all cheese. Like like melted cheese. I no, guess no, I don't... I, I'm not talking about the consistency. I'm talking about the type. Okay. I, I guess like melted cheddar cheese, or probably perhaps like mozzarella. I would say I, I am a big fan of mozzarella. Anytime I go to Subway. I do specifically request the mozzarella. I, I guess I kind of like I like cheese, but I like it to be kind of mildish. But you know, I also like the taste of cheddar. Um, as you know already, uh, as Matt already knows, I'm a huge ice cream fanatic. A fanatic. A fanatic. Diehard. Yeah, I'm a diehard ice cream fan. Uh, though honestly, if I would also have to say, I guess I'm kind of torn between cheese and perhaps a uh, skim milk. Hmm. Because skim milk is my go-to drink whenever I am trying to cut down on Diet Coke, but I want something with just a little bit more flavor. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Matt? What's your what's your uh, favorite dairy product? Uh, I have to go with uh, Greek yogurt. Oh, um, okay. I eat it either Greek yogurt. Or, well, recently I've actually been eating whole milk um, yogurt. This this brand anderson erickson that's in iowa oh okay um but i eat yogurt <coughs> okay basically every every weekday okay because um, I, I bring yogurt to work for for lunch um every day i uh, have tried to get into yogurt um but i, I don't know like because i know it's not bad for you and you know it's a good like filling meal but like i just i i don't know what it is like it feels like it's something i should like but i've just never been able to get into it yeah i mean there's a lot of yogurt that's gross or just bland or uh, it kind of has a weird texture it sort of has like a slimy texture that right. i don't like um so I'm very particular about the couple kinds that I do like that are, are uh, but, you know, it is all these. I try and have uh, yogurt and fruit at lunch every day. Um, and That's uh, fair. There you go. There's my nutritional grandstanding for the <laughs> podcast. Uh, so with that said, do you mind if I move on to March Comes In Like a Lion? Please do. Okay, so this is uh, episode 29. It kicks off with Ray... Visiting the sisters and sort of getting an update on what happened with Hina from the last episode. You know, Hina basically met up with her teacher after class, after, you know, those things had been written about her on the board. But instead of the teacher trying to find out how she'd been bullied, the teacher ended up 
accusing Hina of bringing it on herself and saying that she, if she had been more cooperative with her classmates, this never would have happened. Um, so Hina's been home crying and frustrated that she can't do anything, and Ray gets angry himself and decides that anything he can do, he will do, and he declares that to Akari. Uh, but he doesn't really do anything about it this week, anyway. He, <laughs> uh, because he has a match in the semifinals of the Newcomers Tournament against uh, Hachi, who is described in this episode as the Irritated Prince of the East. Okay, um... Who And uh, despite the fact that Hachi makes a bunch of noise and clicks his tongue and taps his feet and grumbles a lot, uh, Ray is able to push through how annoying this person is and uh, defeat him, moving on to the finals of the tournament, presumably facing Nikaido. Uh, and he spends the rest of his evening uh, watching Hachi eat ice cream while he tries to explain how he beat him. Right. Um, so... Was it just me, or did the tone kind of feel all over the place in this episode? But yeah, because it was. You know, that, right. that was the thing, is from last week, I was totally with the show. I was right. saying, okay, we this is all about Hina. This is about Hina coming up against something. But it really felt like they kind of brushed it off. They're like... There, there was so much building up to that confrontation and that, that discussion with her teacher, but then it's told in a flashback, and it doesn't appear to have an immediate impact, but, like, they're frustrated, uh, but pretty much all that comes out of it is, like, someday, maybe, we'll do something to help sometime. Yeah, a little bit. Like, I, I mean, I guess on one hand, I kind of get it, because the show is kind of going taking it, like, day by day, almost, like... And you're not going to just have, like, an immediate resolution to what happens, like, in a realistic setting, you know. That's you're true. Gonna, you're going to have to wait for it. But that's not really satisfying sometimes as a narrative. Um, and I can't, But I kind of feel like that the original author was, I guess, trying to, like, go for a more realistic stance. And I guess the conclusion where Ray kind of shouts to Akari that he'll help her... I guess that was supposed to be the big definitive moment. I guess because it was supposed to be, like, Ray finally accepting that he's sort of a part of this family now. Yeah. But I, 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 I guess I, if that's what they're going for, but it resolves... It, I don't know. It frustrates me because it seems like they're resolving a lot of things internally for Ray without actually moving the plot in the outside world right. forward. And, and that's kind of what I... And that's why I kind of agree with you, because I, I totally didn't think it was that satisfying. Like, you know, Ray sort of shouting to Akari. It's also kind of undermined by the fact that they have to make some jokes about the dogs barking at him. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like, if this is a sincere moment, just let it be sincere. I mean, and, and the show does do that. It, it's right. had plenty of sin sincere moments that it doesn't have to joke about, but... I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the purpose was of undermining his sincerity. Like, I, I think you could almost do this. Like, you remember how All Out would always have, like, those little gags uh, at, like, the commercial breaks? Oh, um, yeah. Like, I, I could, like, but, you know, All Out would always leave it, like, would always leave the moment as sincere in the moment. But then they would kind of, like, make, like, a quick gag about it, like, during these, like, little commercial breaks where they realize, yeah, realistically, that's not actually how this would work out. I could totally see that sort of gag working like that, like, 
in like as like a quick thing, but the fact that they just sort of dwell on these dogs barking and like kind of running up to Ray and everything. Yeah. It's like I it doesn't really have the level of impact that I think that they were hoping for. Um what I did like about this episode was actually the match against Hachi. Uh, I always appreciate how this show can make the Shogi matches feel very distinct without from one another without actually yeah. doing a whole lot different. Right. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I really liked is just how quiet this match was to sort of accentuate just how annoying this guy is. Right, yeah. Because it's yeah, not yeah, as but... if he's talking or yelling or anything. It's just because Shogi is such a quiet competition, any kind of repetitive noise becomes like it's it's all you can hear. It's all you can yeah. focus on. And so by the, the show getting really quiet and letting you hear how quiet it could be and where the only sound is Hachi tapping his fingers or clicking his tongue or, you know... Bouncing, bouncing his feet. You're like, oh man, to do this for hours, you yeah. just watch this guy fidget. It's miserable. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's something that the show did very well in this moment. I think something else. You know, this is kind of one of the understated strengths. I don't know if we've ever talked a whole lot about watching this show. Uh, I think this show actually uses our lack of shogi knowledge to its advantage a little bit in order to kind of build up tension because during this whole scene. You know, we're watching them play. We don't actually know who's really, like, in the lead. Because Shogi isn't something where you can just easily, like, display a score. And you can see, okay, well, they're, like, so-and-so is clearly winning. Mm -hmm. uh, like, and I think that's what really works. Because, you know, I'm kind of watching this sort of enthralled. You know, you kind of have those little sounds that you can focus on. And that you can appreciate. But you're, you're also kind of tense because you do want to see Ray pull this off. But because there's no other sound but these guys this guy's noises it kind of ramps up the tension because you want something to break that uh well, yeah and the the thing for me too was i felt like hachi was winning because yeah. hachi was moving quickly every time ray would play hachi would immediately respond and ray's internal narrative it felt like he was getting overwhelmed with how frustrated and distracted he was by the noises Hachi was making. So I'm like, right. based on the fact that I don't, you know, have a thorough understanding of Shogi, it seemed clear that Hachi was in the game and Ray was being forced out of the game by all the other stuff Hachi was doing. I was thinking this was going to be a discussion of, like, how a player can influence the game with, by just by using their physical presence to throw off the other player. And Ray was going to lose... Because he got so distracted by this. But then, out of nowhere, Ray manages to pull it off. So, it, it sort of... It takes you off guard. And maybe it's... The intent is... You're supposed to be seeing it from Hachi's perspective. Like, hey, I'm playing fast. I'm throwing him off his game. He's getting pissed off at me. So, of course I'm winning. But, right. you know... in this, we, we sort of get caught up in his confidence that we don't notice Ray sneaking in for the kill. Yeah, exactly. And that's, kind of, and that's something I think that's... You know, it's an interesting way to portray a sports series, you know. Like, not something that we're really all that used to, essentially. Which is which is neat. Yeah. Yeah, but overall, I just... Uh, it, it feels like... 
it feels like they needed to do a little more with the Hina plot to justify pivoting to the Newcomers Tournament for right. Steam. Um, I think we're probably still going to fixate on the Newcomers Tournament next week. We'll see. Right. Um, but I don't know. I should probably stop predicting where the show is going to go. <laughs> We've never really been able to do it that well, so... No. Um, but speaking of something we could probably pretty easily predict, you want to talk about uh, Welcome to the Ballroom? Have at it. Okay, cool. So we're on episode 21 this week. Uh, Tanara and Shinatsu are having a lot of problems on the dance floor because uh, Hyodo's uh, massage of Tadara has worked against them, and now Tadara can't has been moving through like three of the heats pretty much completely off his game because he does not know how to move anymore. Uh, Hyodo explains to uh, Shizuku that uh, he had talked with his mother, uh, Marissa, and Marissa had explained that she's not actually as concerned about having pairs win anymore just much as she is uh, interested in the uh, evolution of dance itself. And she wanted to kind of see what would happen if she paired up these two very thoroughly independent people against one, with one another. Uh, or to have somebody who would be, like, people, basically two leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happens is, in the fourth heat, uh, Chinatsu kind of starts to realize how much she's how much she's frustrated with uh, Tadara being unwilling to take the lead with her, used as, like, a visual metaphor about having her open the door for him. Uh, and just, as, as this progresses, like, as her frustration progresses... Eventually, she realizes that it's up to her to finally just sort of start taking the lead. And this sort of uh, creates a much better dance for them in this fourth heat. And it seems to it seems to end positively, but we don't actually know how they ranked. Yep. Um, so, this episode, again, was fine. <laughs> uh, it hasn't really gone down. I'm kind of glad to see them actually focus a little bit more on Shinatsu from here on out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the fact that we do seem to be getting an undermining of this whole, like, system that's put in place, you know, the sort of, like, oh, you know, it's completely dependent on the lead, you know, that sort of, sort of assumed gender role that we were uh, supposed to be, we uh, sort of assumed we were supposed to be rooting for, but now it seems pretty clear that Chinatsu is, like, no, they're actually supposed to be trying to break this. Yeah, so it took them long enough, is yeah, sort of my of. take. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like, you know, we're on episode 21, and we're finally kind of getting that point. Uh, yeah, it's taken a way too long, and honestly, it's not really enough. <laughs> I agree. Here, what I was thinking as I watched this is that this would have been a good episode 7. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's a good point. Because we got a lot... I. I what really shocked me is there were there were several minutes in this episode where Kiyoharu was basically going on and on about the differences in style between the two pairs that were out of right. the Kugamiya pair and the Tadaro pair, and describing how their their differences in style were a product of their training and of their physicality and how different types of dancers have to adapt in different ways in order to and like their goals have to be different in terms of what they can and can't do um which is all fine but for us to only have i guess the rationale of why 
Tatara is coached to dance the way he does versus the way Kugumiya is coached to dance the way he does. To have that in the fourth to last episode yeah. is insane. Because, like, you know, we don't... This is the only time we get an explanation of everything of how he's been trained and handled up until now. And it's in a one-off, random sort of a thought bubble, basically. Right. And no one else seems to be that interested in it. Yeah, and it's like, you know, we could have done with this explanation just so much earlier. Uh, Because it feels like only in these last few episodes am I finally starting to get something of a sense about what the sport of dance actually is. Right. Uh, Except, but it's like, this is way too late. Yeah. Um... Yeah, but, we had to have that whole first half of the show that's about, like, power and standing out and, you know, whatever, before we get to the point where we can understand how people judge dance competitions. Right, and it's like, <laughs> I kind of feel like we should have gotten that in reverse, almost. Oh, yeah. But it, it seems like, it's like, it's hard for me to tell whether or not this is an issue with either the production or the original manga. It's probably both. Yeah. Uh, like, because I was watching this too, you know, we always harp on the fact that they sometimes don't use the same music, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to actually, like, dance to. Or any music at all in the right. case of this episode. Oh no, there is a, there is some music during the tango section that, like, you know, we, we've kind of mentioned this before, but man, the, it, during the tango section, it's like, you know, the tango, you know, you kind of think, like, fiery, passion, like, sort of a lot more punctuated, like, beats. Uh, like, and during this, it was, like, low, it was, like, low rhythm, low sounding house techno, Mm -hmm. almost, and it's, like, I don't even understand how you expect me to get into this when you're not even trying to capture what the, like, the style is even supposed to sound like. Well, yeah, so, I mean, I, I said silence because for several of the other dances, there was just silence, and the only thing you would hear was people's feet you know moving on the floor and you're sort of i don't know it's it's just weird that 21 episodes in they still haven't figured out that all anybody wants to see is a single shot dance (laughs) for an extended period yeah kind of like that's all like you really need in a sports anime it would be like watching uh, I don't know, like, watching a Haikyuu and never actually getting a full game, like, breakdown, essentially. Exactly. It would be watching Haikyuu and you'd see one character jump and hit the ball and there would be a freeze frame and then everyone else would react to that and then you'd see the ball suddenly on the other side of the court and then people would reach for it but then they'd go in slow-mo and then they'd react to that and then the point would be over, and you'd have seen, like, two parts of the play, but you would never actually see how the ball got from point A to point B. Yeah. You'd just know it happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, again, we you know, we've harped on this a lot, but we just don't get the mechanics here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, so we'll see. I mean, clearly in these last couple episodes... It's setting up Tadara to break through by having a new form of dancing in which there is no partner and there is no lead. They just trade back and forth and they follow each other, Um, which is cool in principle, but because I have not been given enough information about what a normal 
relationship looks like and what a normal dance looks like, it's not going to mean that much when they just assert, oh, this is a fundamentally different kind of dance. Because yeah. just looking at what they did in the episode, I don't know. It, yeah, was, it, it was hard for them to communicate that this was fundamentally <clears throat> different than what they were doing before. Right, exactly. And that's the other thing. Like, I have never gotten a sense that any... Because, you know, they're doing all sorts of different forms of dances... And as far as I'm concerned, they've all looked exactly the same because they use the same dang shots every single time. You know, them sort of stretching out, like, angling their bodies in weird, like, you know, in sort of different contorted ways. Like, and, like, they have all just blended together, essentially. Yeah, they try and do some generic explanations, like, oh, the Viennese waltz is very slow and traditional and simple, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at a glance, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference from other styles because they haven't spent enough time on it. But, yeah. again, yeah. So, uh, the takeaway, we still don't really like that show. But you know what I actually want to talk about? <laughs> what do you want to talk about, Matt? Is it two-car? It's always two-car. <laughs> All right. Jump right in. Uh, okay. So, this is episode eight. So, uh, we now have a flashback episode covering uh, Nene and I. Who are the announcer girls of uh, this racetrack. Uh, and what we find out is that I was actually a very lonely, frail girl who actually moved to the island when she was very young. Uh, Nene just happened to be there when she moved in and she said hi and never left her alone. And always apparently wanted to hang out with her. They take a ride on a uh, on a kneeler with uh, Yuri and Megumi's current coach at the time she was just a racer and with her partner who I'm pretty sure is the policewoman um, and apparently what we find out is that I has grown to really like Nene at one point the ra- the uh, all the different racers in a pub end up trying to peel the two of them apart because they want to race with the girls and uh, Nene, uh, I just grabs a, uh, a microphone that's just sitting there and yells that she doesn't like them because they're all drunks. Uh, but she really likes Nene and she never wants to be apart from her. Yeah. I, that's what happens. Did, did I miss anything? I mean, okay, we have some back and forth between, like, the like present day and past day. But, like... Yeah, no, it, it's all just set up for that flashback. Yeah, basically. Um, so what are, what are the big questions here, Matt? Um, first of all, I'd like to point out that literally none of these other racers have a com- have a distinct character design yeah, beyond just the two characters that we know exist in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like literally these two char- like the two like these two other uh, kneeler groups that we see, they literally are drawn almost like exactly the same, except for like one minor difference in maybe how their eyes are drawn slightly. Um, and it just leads me to believe that they just had to come up with some character designs real quick, but didn't want to put a lot of effort into it. Right. Um, and then, but you know, they still had to have like the characters, like like they still wanted to have like a recognizable characters to give like this illusion that there's oh you know there's just the there's this real world building going on here. There's been like this whole generational thing where uh, their teacher is uh, Yuri and Megumi's teacher has now passed down, you know, her racing onto them. You know, I didn't even get when I was watching the episode that that's who that was. Oh, um, I'm I'm pretty sure that's who it is. Uh, no, I, I, was... I agree because she has red hair and. That's it, you know? That's yeah, all you yeah. Need. 
I mean, she uh, was but, the only distinct design amongst any of these other girls. No, you're right. <clears> outside that of her char- that character's role has been so undeveloped that right. I don't even I couldn't even tell you what her name was. Yeah, no, I don't even think we have her name. We might. Oh, it's Awana, by the way. Oh, sure, but like I think she's maybe shown up and said things once or twice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Like, can I can I ask the, the the question that came to my mind first? Yeah, sure. Why? Why <laughs> is this happening? Why, Why do we need happening? to get? Why do we need history on Nene and I? They're not characters. Why do we need to know? Why this character only speaks loudly when she holds a microphone. <laughs> That's all we got out of this was learning the history of how an announcer became an announcer. And yet there's still so... I mean, there's so many characters in this show. And they're not going to explain any of them. No, they're really not. Like, we're wasting time focusing on these two girls. Like, and not only that, their backstory still doesn't really make a lot of sense. It doesn't add anything. Right. Like, why did she... Why did I... Like, first of all, why is there this microphone just sitting on, like... they were this... doing karaoke. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. But then why was this the reason why I could... Like, why... Like, what's the connection between I needing to speak out and this microphone being there? That's what I don't get. I mean, I think the implication is that that was the first time she'd ever spoken out and she was holding a microphone. So now, like, holding a microphone gives her the power to reconnect to that moment or something. Um, But it's dumb. It's dumb. Yeah, no, it's like, I I just, it's like, I get what you're saying, but it's like, I'm not seeing the connections there. And this was the episode to make those connections. It just sort of feels like, okay, well, like, this microphone, it would just so if, if they were not doing karaoke there that evening, she would have never had this moment of, out, like, she would have never been able to have this outburst. I don't know. I mean, I guess. I also have to wonder, so, f- from this episode alone, can you tell me why these two characters, Nene and I, why they did not seek to become Neela racers? Um, so, okay, so during, uh, during their little ride-along, uh, Nene asks I, you know, it's like, hey, did you have a good time? And she's like, yeah. And, uh, she says, well, did you want to do it again? No. Okay. And at the very end of the episode, we find out, uh, I doesn't want to do it because she would want to go out and do kneeler racing. Yeah, that's the thing. She only rode on a kneeler once. Right. Said she didn't want to because if she rode on it again, it would make her want to be a kneeler racer, which I couldn't, I couldn't figure out where the disconnect was that like they clearly loved it and they would go out and pretend they were riding it and decide to never race. And you know, at the end of all that, Nene goes, so that's why we became spectators instead of, you know, racers ourselves. And you're like, there's no why. There's no explanation for these two people who are completely captivated by a sport and mutually decide, let's never do it. (laughs) I guess the only thing I can take from it is during her little outburst, she mentions that she hates the fact that these girls are drunks and don't really seem to do anything with their lives. Uh, Outside of, like, kneeler racing and, like, work jobs they dislike. So I I guess the whole thing is that she doesn't want to, like... 
become this person who, like, devotes their life to just kneeler racing, where that's their only... It's like where Except that's, only that's exactly what she did. Yeah! That's all she's ever talked about. That's the only thing she does. Okay, Matt, for the last two weeks plus in this world, Nene and I have gone to their announcer's <laughs> booth at nine, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and announced people working on bikes. Right. For, for, yeah, so for eight hours every day, they sit in an announcer's booth and commentate to an unclear audience about the existence of Neeler Racing. Yeah. So if, if she doesn't want it to dominate her life, she's doing a pretty bad job of it. Matt, does that really surprise you, though? No, I mean, look, the logic, yeah. I mean, the logic doesn't make sense, but I must investigate it. So, yeah, so we found out the exact times, too, uh, that I just mentioned of how long the roads are closed. We thought it was from, like, noon to 5. No, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. There is no traffic. There's no traffic on the, like, the, the, the ring road for the island. Um, and what gets me with that is that these girls all oversleep for... Very poorly explained reasons. Right. I mean, they said, a, like, oh, well, the officials had to go back to Tokyo. I'm like, why? What officials? With who? Right. So everyone abandoned them, and they have cell phones, but they can't set alarms because they just expect other people to... Anyway. Um, so, but because the ring road is closed... It is impossible for them to get across the island right. uh, because the economy shuts down for eight hours a day. And so they walk. They walk halfway across the island just to get to quote-unquote work. Like, it can't be that big of an island, can it? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I... All I can say is I really hope that there, are ju there just simply aren't that many businesses on this island. Well, I, here's here's another question. Sure. I, all I have are questions. I have no answers. Right. Understandable. Um, so these, the two announcer girls, uh, they just sort of sleep in and uh, are, they are not at their post at 9 a.m. to begin their very important work of uh, announcing road closures. And, right. Uh, how repairs work. Uh, so for reasons... Uh, Hitomi and Mao just get in the announcer's booth and seamlessly provide that service. And right on the dot at 9 a.m., they announce that the roads are closed and they know how to operate the equipment and they make sure everything goes through and they run the broadcast all day because, you know, it's not like they are there to race. They're just there to hang out. I mean... Yes? I mean, that's pretty much all we've ever seen the girls do. The only thing I can even think of as to why we're doing all these different, like, time trials and, like, experimentations in racing is just because the girls want to hang out with one another. Also, I mean, you seem to forget the fact that with if we didn't have them do this, we wouldn't have gotten our hilarious interlude with Hitomi and Mao like we get every episode. Oh, yeah, this was a really good one. They got fan mail, which also, how are they getting fan mail? Did someone make that... 
up? Like, did they write it themselves? But they couldn't have written it themselves because the contents of the letter said, you guys are so in sync, but actually it seems like you aren't in sync. Aren't in sync. sync. First of all, who writes... Like, that is that is a letter that is specifically written to be a terrible joke in an anime. Because it's literally like saying, you guys are so in sync. I really like you guys. P.S. Are you guys really in sync? You don't seem like it. Like, who would ever actually write something like that? And who would know they were there? And who would know that this would get read on air if the only reason they're broadcasting is because the announcer <coughs> slept in? But they didn't write it themselves because Hitomi was so angered by the contents of the letter that she destroyed it. So, I mean, would she have written it to herself? Is this like, is she having second thoughts about their relationship? So she's writing it, but then she has to like disprove it, but she's trying to plant a seed of doubt in Mao's mind? That's the stupidest and only reasonable argument I can come up with. That sounds like the show in a nutshell. Yeah, it, I don't know. It, I don't know, man. Ah. Um, the uh, I yeah I w- oh yeah the the one line that really got me at the end the the girls were talking uh, up at at the dock and they were like, well, you know we're still only practicing, so there's no need to practice too hard. <laughs> You know, they're just like, wait, it's it's been over two weeks, and they're like, hey man, just relax. Like, we're just practicing. We're just practicing, guys! At what point is, like, the city government going to lodge a protest against these high school girls? School girls who clearly have more power than they do to exactly. block down the roads! Yeah, the, well, there's that, and then I was thinking about this, too. In, in the flashback, those races, they weren't high school girls, you know, like, the, the, the yeah, race yeah, yeah, they yeah. watched... Yeah, the they racers, were adults. they were all, like, uh, working class. Because they were talking about how they, like, hated to have to go into work today so they, they could finally get out and, like, do their kneeler racing or, like, have a good drink, at, you know, go to the bar and get a drink, you know? So like, what what gets me is that they were doing the same route and there were no cars on it. So that means that for this other race, which I think it was, like, it, it had to have been an official race of some kind, you know, because they had right. uniforms and they shut the roads down, but they were just... Whatever. I don't know if they were professional or just adults or whatever. What the, what the important thing is that that's at least one more annual race that shuts down all roads on the island. So let's say that this high school kneeler race shuts down the roads for three weeks out of the year. Right. Maybe, maybe is there an equivalent men's race? Because, yeah, there's male kneeler racing, so maybe that's another three. Right, and this there's... island is known for kneeler racing, too. Exactly. Is there, right, are there college teams? Are there pro teams? Uh, apparently, yes. Like, are the roads ever open on like, this do island? Do people just ride their bikes otherwise or just walk everywhere? Like, I guess, like, this island, like I was saying before, I don't think this island can be too big otherwise or else this wouldn't even make any sense well it doesn't make any sense because you can't i mean you can't have an economy in modern japan that's dependent entirely on pedestrian traffic right i Um, guess not i mean i guess it is supposed to be a fairly small town but they're big enough to even have a high school and like they clearly get enough tourism to like have inns there like multiple like as in two plural yeah (laughs) um you know, like, there's clearly, like, an actual economy here. Yeah, an economy that's being undermined by this industry that just has its way with 
the entire population whether they like it or not it's oh man okay <laughs> i think i think that might have might be enough for this week on this one that, but, um, <laughs> That's i have no idea week. i have no idea where this is going though because like i was positive that this week we were gonna start another two episode arc Right. On, like, the Osakan girls or the goth girls. Right. And we might get one now? I mean... Right, but this one completely threw a wrench in that. Because, like, this has interrupted the pacing. Because if... Well, but then again, they needed to have a filler episode. Because, okay, so, bear with me, right? Um, right. So, every episode is basically, like, a two-arc story, right? There's no way that this show is popular enough to get a full 13 episodes, of course. It's gonna be a 12-episode series, right? Right. Um... But that first episode kind of threw us for a loop because that made that made it so that we don't have an even number of episodes to focus on the different girls. So they did have a filler episode in there. I just assumed that that would have gone at the end. Yeah, because that's the thing. Are they gonna ha- close out someone's arc with the final race? Yeah. Are we gonna like? Are we gonna end it on the goth girls or the Osakan girls? Like, because I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, man, I can't, it's probably going to be the goth, goth girls, because I can't imagine the Osaka girls being a big, having enough appeal to, like, bet on a season closer. Yeah. Uh, like, I can't I imagine know. it would not be the goth girls in that case. But then are we just not going to get a final race? Oh, man. Oh, I would laugh for days if the series ends and they haven't done the final race yet. And they just say, like, next time on... Yeah. Duke, like, pitching for a second season. <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. Can keep Good luck with that, guys. Yeah. Oh, that would be my dream. Um, uh, we also have another show. <laughs> yeah, a less important show. It's called Big Wind-Up Season 2. Yeah, it's it's a better show than, uh, than the other ones we were talking about. But um, not that memorable this week. So this yeah. is Big Wind-Up Season 2, Episode 6. Uh... The Sakitama and Nishiura boys run into each other on the train and promise that they'll play again. Okay. Um, Mehashi uh, says that he promises he won't throw the next day because they have a lot of games coming up. And he actually has a productive conversation with Abe because Abe manages to wait for Mahashi to finish his sentence instead of interrupting him. Um, cheerleaders exist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh Mihashi gets Abe to promise he won't quit being a catcher so that Mahashi is sure that he will be able to keep being a pitcher. Uh, eventually they get to the, the setup for their next game and the, uh, the, there's a little bit of a focus on the Bijo coach uh, right. and uh, the Bijo team as they're playing. A, they, they manage to win their game and they're preparing to face Nishiura. Right. Yeah, it um, felt like there was a lot of small plots that didn't necessarily move. I mean, it moved the plot forward, but it was all just establishing plot points without much action in itself. The one thing I could see what they're do what it's doing here is because we're getting a lot of build up. Uh, like the whole point of this, I think, between uh, Abe and Miha- uh, Mihashi, is that Mihashi <sighs> can't function without Abe. So I think what they're doing here is that they're setting it up so Mihashi in this game is going to have to try and learn how to function without Abe for some reason. He's, I think he's going to get injured or something. Right. Like, something's going to happen to Abe that's going to ha- like that's going to require him to be pulled out of the game. And then uh, Mihashi's just going to have to learn how to deal with a new catcher. Because I think Tajima was supposed to be the backup catcher, right? Yeah. 
Um, and I think that's what this episode was attempting to set up in its own way. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting, too, because Tajima, you know, he was stretching with Mahashi, and he was kind of questioning Mahashi, saying, like, oh, well, Abe will always be my catcher. And Abe will always be there for me. And he's like, um, what do you mean he'll always be there? Yeah, Like, like, he can't always be there. Yeah, like, it's like, really, man? Like, do you not depend on anybody else here? Like... And well, I mean, that, I, and, like, what's going to happen when he's not? Yeah, exactly. Like, just, like, just because he told you he would always catch you doesn't mean that he can completely control that. Right. And, of course, Mihashi being Mihashi reads that is, Is Abe leaving? Yeah, exactly. But I think he, that was purposely done to kind of undermine, like, it was supposed to try and build, like, I guess the way that the author was trying to do this was trying to, uh, like, make us believe that there may have been some reason why Abe was going to leave that Tajima knew of. Uh, but I, I don't think that's what they were really... Like, I don't... I that, Like, that's clearly not what's actually happening here. Yeah. Um, uh, regarding the cheerleaders, because you did mention that cheerleading exists. Yeah. Um, I, I, the only thing I can think about with that is... So there's, there's this whole aside where the cheerleaders of uh, Nishiura are talking with, like, the rest of the dance club that they're a part of. They're, like, sharing the, the room for their cheerleading... Uh, for their cheerleading group because they don't actually have an official club. Uh, and I guess the point of that was that they were kind of trying to show how this team, I guess, was growing. I guess it also kind of establishes that Hamada has actually been a very, is actually a very popular guy around the school. Cause like a lot of the girls were talking about like how, like, Oh, are you interested in Hamada? Like everybody else? Yeah, exactly. Like, and I guess that's supposed to show that, Hamada is actually kind of the real attention for a lot of people at Nishiura. Uh, I mean, I guess now that they've actually been able to beat uh, Tose, that probably has put more of an eye on them. But I, I guess that was to kind of show their culture. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we, it's kind of a stretch. Right. Um, uh, I, w- I, do, I will say that I liked the... Uh... Some of the, the flashback and the narrative that we got from Roka. So Roka is the, the coach at Bijo. Right. He's a college sophomore, but he's working uh, at the high school to help coach that team and scout. Um, I like sort of the differences they showed because he, he had been the captain, I think, he was at Tose. Right. And he still, like, has nightmares about losing... Uh, getting knocked out of the tournament his senior year and losing when he was the captain. Um, and so, like, really getting inside the head of how he was so... He he pretends like he's kind of over it and really chill right. and just purely analytical, but it's partly an outgrowth of him still not having gotten over how frustrated and ashamed he is of causing a mistake in that right. final game that made him lose. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of interesting, too, uh, putting him up against uh, uh, Nishiura, then, because it's almost kind of like a subtle way of revenge, almost. Uh, Because it's like, you know, this is the team that managed to beat Tosei, too, so if he can beat them, that can prove that he kind of outgrew it. Like, I don't think it's going to be something that's ever, like, outright stated, but it's kind of like small details like that that you can kind of infer character motivations from. That's always nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. I think he's an interesting character, and 
I kind of want to learn what's going on with Bijou because it seems like there's a little bit beneath the surface of right. how the two coaches are interacting and like the politics of the team. I don't know. I mean, I'm worried that we won't have enough episodes to really flesh it out the way it deserves to be, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, too. But, I mean, keep in mind, like, we're on episode six right now. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, you know, we've still got an entire, another half of the season. I mean, that's a good six episodes. And we were already complaining that the uh, the Tose game was probably too long, so. Well, yeah, but that's the thing, is that Nishira still has one game to get through before they play Bijou. Oh, my bad. You know, because, so Bijou won the first game today, meaning that they will play the winner of Nishiura's game. So unless in the next episode they just completely fly through the game and don't really take it inning by inning, you know, right? it, it could cram up against the end. But they might just, like, totally blow off whatever's about to happen. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, also, though, knowing the fact that they just spent, like, three episodes on what probably could have just been a, run, a throwaway game... Yeah. Doesn't seem likely. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But we'll see you next week. All right. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Anytime, Matt. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.